Amen. Good evening. As you guys are um, taking up the tithes and offering, I'll just go ahead and introduce myself and, um, and um, who I am. My name is Kevin Perthius. I'm the pastor, I'm the campus pastor at um, our Benton Heights campus. You know, here at First Church, we have three campuses. We have um, this campus, St. Joseph. We have a campus in Stevensville, and we have a campus in Benton Harbor, Benton Heights neighborhood. And so I'm the campus pastor there. And so um, David asked me to fill the pulpit for him this evening, this weekend. David is actually at a good friend of his um, had passed away, and so he is um, at a funeral this weekend, and that's where he is. So um, he asked me to uh, fill in for him, and I told him I gladly would. So, um, so you got me this weekend. I want to welcome um, all the other campuses that are joining us um, this weekend as we open up God's words. So let me pray just really quick, um, just so we can set the uh, tone here and, and ask God to move um, as we open up his word. God, we love you. We need you. We ask God that you'll speak, Father, that you'll give us some, um, give us understanding of your word, illumination of your word, and um, just, just uh, speak and reside with us uh, this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, man, we're starting a brand new series that um, we're really excited about. Um, we, want to, we want to do a series about prayer, and so um, we got together as the um, creative team. We got the creative team together, and we were thinking, man, we need a name for this series. And so, man, we spent all day, and we got super creative, and we came up with the prayer series. So, um, you got some geniuses working here at your staff um, as pastors, and um, we're super creative, man. And um, our juices just flow sometimes of creativity. And so the prayer series, and so um, it's really exciting, man. But over the next four weeks, we're actually going to be diving into prayer. And um, it's exciting because we believe in prayer around here. Because we believe that prayer changes things. Uh, for example, I'm really no different from you guys. Uh, there's, there's times whenever I really don't know how to pray for somebody, or I don't know how to pray about a situation. I just hope that um, God knows more about the situation than my words can articulate, and I kind of just fumble through the prayer, hoping that God understands what I'm trying to say. Uh, for example, there, there was somebody at our campus in Benton Heights. They asked us to go to their mother's house, who lives in our neighborhood, and go pray for their mother. Their mother was, um, had cancer and struggling with cancer, and we're like, sure, man, no problem. And so we go um, to, to her mother's house. We go in there, go into the bedroom, and there her mother is lying on the bed. And you could tell, man, cancer has just taken a toll on her body. And um, like, how do you pray in that situation? Um, I'm the pastor. I'm the one supposed to have the answers. I'm the one supposed to like raise people from the dead, right? You know, uh, you know you're the one closest to Jesus, you know. And, and so here I am. This mother's on her bed. And be honest with you, man, she, she, she looks really, really bad. I had no idea how to pray. So I did my best. I fumbled through, um, gave it to God, and that was it. I left. I was talking to the other people who were with us. I was like, man, I don't really know how much longer she has. I mean, it's, it looked bad. Well, a couple weeks, just a couple weeks ago, her husband came by the house, came to my house. He knocked on the door, and I walked outside, and he said, hey, I just want to thank you for praying for my wife. Oh, yeah, no big deal, man. Yeah, you're welcome. And then, and then he told me something that nearly made me fall over. He said, it worked. It's like, what worked? <laughs> he said, your prayer worked. I was like, and he said, yeah, my wife, she's getting stronger. She's out of bed now. 
She's going to the store, uh, and she's, health is returning to her body. And, man, let me tell you, prayer changes things. And so I'm excited, man, over these next few weeks. Yeah, you can praise God for that, man. Yeah. Um, over these next few weeks, we're really going to be diving into this discipline of prayer. And what we plan on doing through this entire series is we plan on looking at the Lord's Prayer. We plan on, on, on looking at how Jesus taught us to pray. And we're going to break up the Lord's Prayer uh, um, each week. We're going we're to take it piece by piece. So let's check it out. Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. This is the Lord's Prayer. We just prayed it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. This weekend, what I want us to look at is I want us to look at the phrase, hallowed be your name. Jesus opens up the Lord's Prayer. He said, let me teach you how to pray. The disciples said, teach us how to pray. Okay, you want to learn how to pray? You start prayer like this. You start prayer off by praising God. Jesus is saying, holy is your name, God. And so what I want us to do in the next few moments is I want us to see where praise fits in our prayer life. Because we live in a praise-driven culture, don't we? We all want praise, and we're all quick to give praise in fear of leaving somebody out or in fear of offending somebody. That's why everybody on your kid's soccer team and soccer league, they all went home with first place trophies, right? Knowing everybody didn't get first place. But I understand it, man, because, hey, I, so I, I coach high school track here at St. Joseph. And just this past Friday, we had, a, we had a really big track meet, the rotary track meet. There's like 10 schools there. And we handed out medals First through fifth place. Like, I don't even know what color a fifth place medal is. But we handed out medals first through fifth place. I'm like, there's only eight lanes on the track. Let's just get three more medals. Everybody gets a medal. We don't even have to race. We can call it a night, right? But, but we, we, want, we want everybody to, to have a medal. And so I told my sprinters, I was like, listen, guys, you better not be coming home, man. You better not accept no fifth place medal. Well, guess what? We got fifth place in a relay, and they got their medals. <laughs> and it turns out that fifth place medals is the same as third place. So they're bronze, and so we actually got third place. <laughs> no one knows. Um, but anyways, and, but it's interesting because there, there's been studies that show that uh, bronze Olympic medalists are actually happier than silver Olympic medalists. Olympic, uh, Olympians who won bronze in the Olympics are happier than people who won silver. And the reason is, is people who got second place, they often found themselves focusing on just how close they were to winning the gold medal. And people who won the bronze medal, they tend to focus on just how close they were to not winning a medal at all. The point is this, perspective is everything. You see, there's two types of people in this world, and all of us fall into one of these two categories. This may sound silly, but it's true. There's powders, and then there's praisers. There's people who are constantly complaining about their circumstance, and they see the glass of life as half empty. And then there's people who praise God and worship God no matter the circumstance. The glass of life for them is always half full. So this weekend, are you a powder? Or a praiser. 
Um, so what I want us to do is I want us to look at the story of Paul and Silas. They chose to, to worship God in one of the darkest times of their life. I want to show you just how powerful our praise can be. So Paul and Silas, they go on this mission trip. They go on this mission trip all because Paul had a vision. He literally had a vision of a guy who was from Macedonia. And this guy was like, hey, come help us in Macedonia. And, he, and, and so Paul and Silas were like, all right, let's go. I'm not even lying, man. It's Acts chapter 16. Check it out. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. It says this. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen this vision, immediately we sought to go, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so they go on this mission trip over this vision that they concluded was from God. And they go there, and then there was a demon-possessed girl there who was a fortune teller. And they heal this girl. And then they find themselves beaten and thrown into prison. And it was in prison that this darkness began to uh, surround their life. Question, have you ever concluded that God asked you to do something or that God asked you to go somewhere or God asked you to serve or God asked you to say something or you had a vision and it didn't turn out the way you thought it should. It's exactly where Paul and Silas is. So let's read um, Acts 16 verses 25. I'm going to go all the way through 33. It says this. It says about midnight. Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights. And he rushed in, and he, trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, and he washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his whole family. It's pretty amazing, man, that this jailer, man, the same one that caused all these wounds, came back and dressed their wounds and washed their wounds. Three things I want us to take away from this story about praise. Number one is this. Our praise influences others. Our praise has influence on others. It was midnight. When Paul and Silas, they, they began shouting out these prayers to God and they started up this duet of singing these worship songs to God. And, the, and scripture says that, that these prisoners were listening. So notice, either they were really good singers or these prisoners were wondering why they were praising God in the circumstance that they were in. But either way, scripture says that these prisoners were listening. I like to think, man, that these prisoners weren't listening to Paul and Silas. 
I like to think that these prisoners had no choice but to hear Paul and Silas because they were worshiping God um, so passionately and they were worshiping God and, and, and shouting praises to God and, and singing so loud that the prisoners had no choice but to hear them. Meaning this, our praise should be the loudest when our circumstance is the darkest. Your praise should be the loudest when your circumstance is the darkest. I mean, uh, you know, what in the middle of, 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 of your own midnight, in the middle of your own midnight, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what it would look like if we stopped pouting and we started praising, if we stopped complaining and we started worshiping. In the middle of, 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 of the darkest moments of your lives, when the marriage is falling apart, when the kids don't gone crazy, whenever, when, whenever a family member is, is dying, whenever tragedy strikes, what would it look like? What would happen if our praise was the loudest then in that moment? What would happen? I know one thing's for sure. I know everyone. I know everyone in your life is, is, is watching how you react in those dark moments. You know, I truly believe, man, that the world... They want to hear what we're shouting when things aren't going right. They, 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 they know what we shout whenever everything's going good and everything is as it should be. But they're anticipating what we're going to shout whenever midnight strikes, whenever midnight hits our lives. And this is, why, um, this is why our praise has so much influence, because our praise is about perspective. It's not about preference. Your praise is about a perspective. It's not about preference. Because there's going to be sometimes whenever you don't feel like praising God. There's going to be sometimes you don't feel like worshiping God. There's going to be sometimes you don't feel like coming to church. There's sometimes where life beats you up, you don't feel like being around other Christians and other believers. But our praise is about perspective, not about preference. And when we understand this, it'll give us influence over others' lives because they're listening to what we're shouting. And you've been here before. You've been in that place before. Whenever you've decided that you didn't want to come to church this weekend, but yet your kids wanted to go and you weren't going to keep it from them. And so, and so you came along or maybe the spouse drug you along. And you decided that before you even came into this place that I'm not going to participate. I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to wait through the hour. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, during praise and worship, you see somebody who's close to you. You see them pressing into God. You see them worshiping. And you see them, uh, and maybe you even know that individual. Maybe you even, you even know what's going on in their home, what's going on on their job. And you know what's going on behind their curtain. You know that it's not all great, and yet you still see them praising God and worshiping God. What does that do to you? It influences you, and all of a sudden, you think to yourself, man, how selfish am I? Because it's not about me. It's all about him. And so our praise influences others. And that's why corporate praise is so powerful, because corporate praise has the power to set somebody free who doesn't even want to be free. Corporate praise has the power. You can come here and be like, you know what, man, I'm not praising nothing. I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm just going to stand here. Yeah, but if everybody else is praying, guess what? Praising, guess what? You're going to raise your hand, and it's going to set you free. You don't even want to be free. That's the power of praise. It has the power 
to influence. And the reason is because we worship a God who deserves praise whether we feel like it or not. We deserve a God who's worthy of praise whether whether we're healthy or not. We deserve a God who's worthy of praise whether we get the promotion or not. Our God is worthy of praise because what he has done, because of his love for us. I'll never forget, man, I was in college. I went to this men's conference. And it was a men's conference with, with one of the local churches there. And um, it was just like any other conference, full of worship, full of speakers. And uh, one night after the service, because that was years ago, and I've, I've gotten really professional with my worship. Um, you know, some of you guys are like super professional with your worship. You guys don't raise a hand. You guys don't even smile. That's how professional you are. Um, you didn't smile at that. But hey. So some of you guys are just super professional with your worship, man. You guys don't sing loud, man. You guys don't smile. You guys don't raise no hands. That's, hey, that's, that's up to you, man. Hey, I, I, I've, 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 I'm feeling myself get that way, and I'm trying to break that. Because there's a time in college, man, where, like, I worshiped and I praised, um, like, just uh, with, with freedom, man. And, like, I would raise my hands, man. I would shout. I would clap. I would dance. I would jump, which jumping and dancing is the same in the Christian world. I would jump and dance, man. And I had a tambourine. No, I never had a tambourine, but that would be cool, though. And, I mean, I would just praise God. And this is who I was at this conference. I was praising God, man. I was loving God. And then after service one day at this conference, this man came up to me, never, never met him. Um, didn't know who he was. He came up to me, and with tears in his eyes, I have no reason, man, why he said this, but he said, this is what he said. He said, I was watching you praise. I was watching you worship God. And he said, Jesus is all over you. Now, I don't know what that means, man, (laughs) but I do know that our praise has the power to influence because whenever we praise God, we get out of the way and we point people to Jesus. And he saw Jesus. Your praise has the power to influence. Not only does your praise have the power to influence, secondly, our praise invites God's presence. I love this, man. Um, Look at verse 26. It says, suddenly... Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So Paul and Silas' praise invited the presence of God. And then suddenly, let me tell you something, man. If you praise long enough, you might experience a suddenly in your circumstance. So suddenly... There was a great earthquake. Anybody fear the earthquake this afternoon? There was a great earthquake. And the the Bible says that that the foundations of the prison were shaken. I love how God dealt with their problem at its foundation. Foundation of the problem. The foundation of the prison was shaken. You see, I don't think Paul could have planned this miraculous uh, jailbreak. Paul couldn't have planned that. we We can't plan miracles. But whenever we praise God in the worst of circumstances, there's no telling what can happen. Whenever you praise God in your darkest moments, there's no telling what can happen. 
Because our praise is an invitation for the supernatural. Our praise sets the stage for God's power, for God's presence, for his provision, for his peace, for his purpose. That's what our praise does. Our praise causes these spiritual um, earthquakes to happen in our lives, in our circumstances, in our situations, in our families, on our jobs. That's what our praise does. Our praise sets people free um, who don't even know they're in bondage because our praise brings freedom. So although me and you may never find ourselves physically behind bars, um, I hope we don't, um, but I still believe that many of us are in prison. You know, I, I, I really do believe that, 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 that the bars and that the prison that, that, that holds us captive, we can't see, but it may be emotional bondage. You know, for some of you, man, you, we, we, we have baggage and we have this unforgiveness.